0: talk about a brand new value because from the beginning actually 39 if you go back 39 years Life Center is rooted on a foundational scripture which is 1st Corinthians chapter 13 verse 8 it's three words love never fails it's the foundation of who we are as a church and the value that we're going to be looking at this month is really the value of what it means to be loving everyone say loving that's what we're going to talk about. So I want to remind you that we're in a whole series this entire year where we're looking at being carriers of the heart of God, the heart of love, not only to those around us, yes, including them, but also to the city in which we live. And so we're looking at these values that we have. And like we spoke about in September, I'll just bring back to remembrance because many of you have joined us since September. And looking at all these values, you know, values in our lives can be aspirational. Like, man, I see that and I want that. I want to grow into that. I know I'm not there yet, but I want to set that as a value because I want to grow. That's, that's aspirational. Or they can be authentic. Values can be genuine, that when you hear someone say, I'm a generous person, if they are a generous person, you just go, that's, that's how you are. That's how you live your life. And so whether a value is aspirational or whether it is authentic, there's one thing that's true of both, and that is that we all need to be honest about which one they are. And so if we're not honest about whether it's aspirational or authentic, then there can be a credibility gap in our lives. And so I want to lean right into the credibility gap, because the moment we talk about being loving, every single one of us as individuals and collectively as a church, we fall short in loving people the way they should be loved. Flat out. We fall short. We're not perfect at it. Every single one of us, every one of us can grow, whether you're a teenager in school with your parents, with your peers, with your teachers, all of those things, whether you are in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or in your 90s. Every single one of us can continue to grow in how we receive love and how we express love and what it looks like to give it. So when we talk about loving, this is what we mean as a value. Jesus' love never fails. And everyone said... Our love for others, therefore, because Jesus' love doesn't fail, our love for others isn't negotiable. Without love, though, we're just making noise. And when we fall short, not because that we set that as a goal, but when we fall short, we are trusting in the never-failing love of Jesus to make up the gap. That's what we're trusting God to do, to use our little, to use our effort, and to do something different with it. And so, again, we're going to look at that this entire way, this entire month. We're going to look at what does it mean to be loving. Ladies, it's a th- thread that's going to be through your heart conference. And I can't wait to sneak in the back and see all that God's going to do and then leave quickly. Because it, it ain't for me. Uh, but I am here to celebrate what Jesus is doing for each and every one of you. You know, ladies, just a quick second when it comes to heart. Uh, don't set a limit on what God can do. Don't set a limit on what God can do. Don't set a limit on what, God, what dream God can put into your heart. Don't set a limit on what God may ask and call you to do, what step he may ask you to take. Um, we need a collective us to change the world in, in which we live. And so ladies, don't ever shell yourself short in terms of what Jesus may want to do this weekend. Let your heart be wide open. So, to help us all grow through 1 Corinthians, chapter, uh, through this value of love, we're gonna look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is known as the way of love. Everyone say the way of love. That's the subtitle of the chapter, the way of love. Because there's lots of ways there's the way of success, or so there's a way of bitterness. There is the way of disappointment and discouragement and disillusionment and de- deconstructing. Those are all ways. And then there is this way of love that's a different way that you and I are called to orient our lives. Jesus said, as I have loved you, you also love one another's, not just as you define love and I define love and not just there. Jesus said, if you've seen me and you've seen how I've lived and you've seen how I'm loved, then use me as a template in how you love and how you live, but also you love others. And so it's this way of love. Now remember, the book that we're going to pull this out is called Corinthians. And the book of Corinthians is not, it was written as we have it. However, there are things that have been added to it that give us helps. And they are chapters and verses. Okay, so it enables me to say 1 Corinthians 13, it's just for space and quick and ease. But remember, this was one letter written to a church in Corinth, originally without chapters and verses, just it was written as a letter. And so in the preceding chapter, chapter 12 of this beautiful letter, the Apostle Paul's paints this beautiful picture of us as the body of Christ. That every one of us, the moment we give our lives to Jesus, are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're also given these things called spiritual gifts. And with these spiritual gifts, they're not there for our boasting, but they're there for the benefit of somebody else, somebody around you. That when you use what you are gifted in, that you can make a Jesus-sized difference for the kingdom of God and help build up the local expression of a church. And so he paints this glorious picture much like a conductor who's the Holy Spirit. Spirit, just orchestrating his church so that the music that being is played is in perfect pitch, and perfect timing, and each note knows when to come in and knows when to hold. He paints this beautiful picture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And then he, however, says though, even if all of this is happening, there is a more excellent way than the church working together in perfect unity. There's a more excellent way than just all of us using our gifts. And it is the way of love that he says. It is the way of love that you and I engage that is a more excellent way than all of our gifts matching together perfectly so that the sound in the city is beautiful. Paul says, no, there's still a more excellent way than if even if that occurred. He said, it's the way of love. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses one to three, I love it because it is filled with things that are filled when we talk about love. It is filled with if... It is filled with and, and it's filled with a lot of buts. That was a joke. It's filled with a lot of ifs, filled with a lot of ands, and it's filled with a lot of buts. Now, you have heard it in your life sometimes expressed like, well, if you did this or if you didn't do this, man, it would be easier to love you. I mean, if you just stopped doing this or if you just started doing this, that would be sure helpful, and that's great advice, unless it isn't. But that's just advice that we're given. Or perhaps we have said, I love you, but how many of you know that as soon as the word but enters a sentence, our brain automatically erases whatever preceded it, and now we're focused. It's like when you go in for your work review. Here's everything that you do really well, but, you know, oh, no. Here comes the honesty. This was the butter up now. Okay, okay, okay. What? You know, you're late every single day, and you're like, what? Me? Yeah, you're late every day. Oh, I the nerve. I'm going to HR right now. Or I love you and. Everybody say and. How many of that we got a lot of ands attached to our loves? Like people, we can love them and they can drive us nuts. Or I love you and. Right? So the scriptures are going to be perfect for us. Because they're going to weave in these things. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1 to 3 says this. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and... Understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, everyone say all faith. Okay, so if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have, so not 10%, 100% if I give all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, so if I die for a cause that I believe in wholeheartedly, if I give everything I have, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so if I speak, and I do, and I give, and I deliver even my body, but I never get to the why I'm doing what I'm doing. If I never allow the Lord to speak to me about why I do what I do, why, what is that? Why do you do what you do? What's the motivation for why you do what you do? Why I do what I do? If I never get to that, if I never go to that place, if I never let the Lord talk to me about that, then all the things that I do can actually be a language that I don't want to use. Or they can be received, they can be experienced by others in different ways. So our honest why, when you and I allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our why, why do you do what you do? It begins to surface the way that you're in, that you're walking in, that you're traveling down. And if your life is anything like my life, there are many times that I start off on the way of, love, and I end up on a different way. I may start off a conversation in the way of love, and someone says something to me that irritates me, and now I'm on the way of I'm right. Or I may start off over here. In fact, there are many times I have not even started off on the way of love. I have started off on the way of I'm going to prove you wrong. And it's amazing, because when we start in that way, It doesn't go very well. It's almost as though people can figure that out pretty quick. And so we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to talk to us about our why. Not just our way. And so scripture starts with, I think, something that is beautiful. And here's what it says. If I... See, this is going to be a long time if we're going to go through the 1 Corinthians 13, this in depth. If I... Notice what it doesn't say. The way of love does not start with, if you, if they, the collective they, if they would just stop being morons, I would be able to grow in love. True, but problematic still. You see, you and I see in part, we know in part, we don't know everything. But Jesus is different. I'm going to pick on that thread. I'm going to pick up that thread on just a moment. See, the way of love starts with this place of humility, not selfishness and not self-focus, but at least self-understanding. The Holy Spirit drives you to, why do you do what you do? If I, not if you and not if they, if, if I. It's this humble posture. And so as we're journeying through this whole month, let's make a commitment. Listen for how you need to grow in love, not how you wish somebody else needs this message. Not how they need to grow or where they failed or where they failed you, which could be true, but don't go there. Go from this place of humility. If I, if I, not if they or not if you. So if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, have not divine love, have not God's love, have not agape love, then I'm just making a whole lot of noise. In my life, whether it's online or whether my life is here, it's just making a lot of noise. It's just loud. It's just, it's just taking up space. It's just adding volume to it. And the scripture says it's, it's a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, which when I read that, I also wanted to say, like, I don't know if I've ever heard a beautiful gong. They all sound, even when they're played appropriately, like clanging to my ears. But that's just a preference thing. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal in 2020. How about we say that if I post without love, then I am just a noisy Facebook message or comment. I'm adding nothing of lasting value. I'm just adding to the noise of that which is. I'm going to give you a trite example and then one that has a little bit more weight to it. But a year ago, I felt the Lord speak something to my heart. The Holy Spirit whisper something to my heart. Because when I drive, I tend to believe that I'm a perfect driver and I'm surrounded by people who are not. Which is hubris and prideful. And I felt the Lord just tug on my heart that every single day, I want to begin to just grind that off. I want to grind that pride out. I want to work on you preferring others. And first I rebuked it and said it had nothing to do with the kingdom. But like the Holy Spirit does, he speaks in these sacred echoes that come back again and again. So it kept coming back. So for the last year, I have been driving. And I've told this before, but I've been driving and then making an intentional effort when I see people that want to enter traffic, like stopping and letting one and sometimes even two cars in. And some of you, the Holy Spirit's working on you because you're behind me with a reminder that that's not okay. <laughs> that one car is, is, is how it's good. Two, it's greedy. It's not enough. Now you're, now you're holding me up. Now what God is doing is affecting me, okay? And so that's a problem. Well, I, I, I don't really care. I'm working on me right here. I'm letting the Holy Spirit change my heart. But you know what's amazing, as trite as that is? here's how it is, do I ever want, I I still never want to do this, particularly in traffic, and someone goes up the lane, they're trying to go quicker, like, where are you, 8,947 cars, where where are you going to go, how are you going to get there, but there you go, there you go, and then there I am, and I watch them do it, there you go, and you're doing all, and then they come right, and then the lane is ending, and I'm like, no, you're not getting in, like, you did all of that to save 4.2 seconds. Are you proud of yourself? Like, this is the internal dialogue. It's adding stress to my life. So now I just, like, let the person in. And I feel as though I'm dying to something good. But I just die to it. I just die to that space. You think, wow, I think, Lord, I'm becoming more like you. Until, the per- until this is what happens invariably. I let somebody in in front of me. No, not me. You go. And they go in, and then invariably there's still traffic up ahead, and there's another car that wants to come in. And the very person I just let in, they're like, (laughs) right, bumper to bumper. (laughs) And then I am so judgmental back here. I let. And all of a sudden now it's like I've got two times the. I'm like, Lord, I am just. I am absolutely broken in this area of traffic. (laughs) So how quick we can judge, we can like pat ourselves on the back and then judge others. It may seem so trite, but it's an issue that the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 no. That's not the way of love. That's not the way of love. I had a conflict with somebody else here in the city uh, in terms of ministry, just a conflict, just a, a conflict. And we've had some exchanges, but it's been a couple of years. And this week, I felt, the well, last week, I should say, I felt the Holy Spirit um, put on my heart that like, this is what I want. Like, I want you to reach out, and I want you to ask for forgiveness. And once again, I just rebuked it, like, pfft. No. Because, see, I, I it's the way of right or the way sometimes of love. And so I, I reached out, and it's... It's beautiful what God is doing. Maybe one day I can tell the full story. It's beautiful, the response in terms of what God is doing. But I tell you what, I wish I could tell you in a moment. It's like, yes, Lord, I will do anything for love. But I won't do that. (laughs) You See, when our motive isn't love, we just end up making a whole lot of noise. And the Bible says this if I, not if you and not if they, but if I, and then it says if I speak. Well, speak is a language, is it not? I mean, if it's just you by yourself in the world and there's nobody else, then there's no reason to say if I speak, but if I speak, it's now if I, if I take the love that is on the inside, I can begin to express that, I begin to speak that, I begin to let that out, I begin to vocalize that, I begin to engage that, I begin to put action towards that, that if I speak it, see, if I speak it, it's not for me, it's so that other people can hear it and receive it which leads me to another place that the scriptures are pointing out for us because speaking is a language and how many know that love is also a language? That as a husband, Deloria and I have been almost married for 25 years and here's what I know, that I, I love her more than anyone else in the world and we still struggle to speak each other's language of love. That as a father with four amazing children, that they are equally loved, but I can't love them all the same because they hear and they receive love differently. And as a father, I sometimes get it right and I sometimes get it wrong. When I had the privilege of becoming a pastor, I really recognized, especially with those who God gives me the honor to work with on a team, that... Not everybody can be loved and led the same way. That not everybody hears and receives love. That this is not easy. That we need the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if we're going to get this right. Because here's what it says. And if I have prophetic powers. So I have the ability to discern and see something that is occurring in the future. And if I understand all mysteries. Everyone say all mysteries. All mysteries and all, if I have all knowledge, so more than Google, if I have all knowledge and if I have all faith, not just a mustard seed and not just a measure, but if I have full faith and all faith so as to remove mountains, so as to do impossible things, if I have all of that and I'm doing all of that, but I don't have love, I don't have this agape love, not this another thing, I don't have this agape love for God, then Paul actually goes on to say that I am nothing. In other words, I can do and do and do and do and do, and I can do extraordinary things. But if at the core of my being, love isn't the reason why I'm doing, then there's nothing of gain within it. That's not the heart of what Jesus has for me and for you and when I actually slow down and read what the apostle Paul was writing here I'm moved in my heart because understanding mysteries what a gift to possess because for me as a follower of Jesus I've got some questions Not like I need to know everything, but I've got some questions because there's lots of instances in my life and in my experience and my story and walking alongside of some of you where together we have asked God to do this and he has done that. And it's a mystery to me. It's a mystery to me why, yes, everyone one day is healed. Amen. But it's a mystery to me why certain things happen and why certain things don't. Is that not a mystery to you? That when you look at the world, why certain things are the way, and the scripture says, man, if you could understand all of that, if you had the understanding of all, if God answered all of those things, but at the core it wasn't that we were enveloped and abiding and caught up in the love of God, then it's just understanding a thing. It's just prophecy. It's just a gift. It's just knowledge. It's just faith. and it's, All those are really good things, and they're wonderful things, and they're important things. But again, here's what Paul says in the notes. That life isn't just about all these things. And you know this to be true. Because if you've ever lost somebody that you loved. I have not heard people say, man, I, I'm ah, One more day with my grandfather for him to tell me everything that he knows. Or one more day with so-and-so so that they could just deposit into my life. They were such a person of faith and just to, just to be around them. But I've sat with counsel, countless people who have simply said, when they've lost someone, they've dot, 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 loved and who's loved them. Man, just one more day, just to be with them. And it doesn't matter what we do, just that we are together in this space of even for us with people that we love imperfect love and our hearts are still drawn to, man, it's, if I could just be in that place with them for 15 more minutes for one more day, just to be that gift of presence, what a difference it would make because love has this ability to translate. Love translate this gift of presence into the unknown realities of life in I may step into your season, but I don't have a prophetic word for you. But if I come fully embodying the love of God, even if I don't have a prophetic word, that's enough. And I may not have the right answer for the story that you're living, or the problem that you're facing, or the equation that you have. Like, you know, I, I may not have all the knowledge to solve all those things, but for you and I expressing the love of God, it's, we don't have to know everything. Sometimes we just have to show up. And in showing up in love, that makes a Jesus-sized difference. That I don't have to sometimes have all faith, but I can just engage these moments of love. And they change everything. Because prophecy is wonderful, but it doesn't replace presence. And knowledge is amazing, but it doesn't come close to the gift of presence. And faith is essential. But knowing Jesus is with us, no matter the outcome, is the greatest gift of all. And love reminds us of the importance of, the gift of, and the difference that the presence of God makes in our lives. I am nothing is a pretty loud statement. But when my motive isn't love, then... I can know a lot, and I can even prophesy and use a gift, or I can have faith. But if the motive isn't love, then I'm not really adding anything of substantive value. I'm just engaging. I'm adding something of some value, but not what it could be. You ever hear this expression that people will forget what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel? It's, 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 it's a terse way of us trying to wrestle through, what is this gift of presence? What, what, what's that? I give away all that I have and if I deliver my body to be burned but if it's not about love if it's not in the way of love I gain nothing if I give all my stuff I sacrifice all my time and here's what I've found embarrassingly to be true about my life here's what the holy spirit continues to work on in my life as a man as a husband as a father, as a minister, and as just a resident in the city of Ottawa, that oftentimes I don't give love, I loan love because I look for a return. That the love that I give, or the love that I should say that I express, sometimes it has hooks in it. I used a really silly, trite example a few moments ago with you. If I let somebody in, in traffic, and then they're ahead, and they don't let someone in traffic, I get all judgmental. Well, that's truthfully, it could be just funny and trite, but it's also really, really gross. In that, if the motive of even why I'm doing what I'm doing is not just sheerly to love somebody else, if it's like, well, I'm gonna uh, listen, I'm gonna let you in, and you're gonna be a better person. Well, I still think you have to be a better person. (laughs) But like the baseball pitcher learned or had explained to him, you know, in the game of baseball, that there's a lot of things a pitcher can do. But the moment that the ball leaves the pitcher's hand, their job is done. Now it's somebody else's job. Hopefully that the person batting does not do their job well, but the person catching does. Well, the same is true when you and I express love that oftentimes when it leaves our hearts that the first part of our job is done. But we do have to listen to then how many hooks and how many loans and how many pre-qualifiers are in that and how how much of that is loaded. So I can look at my life as a husband. I can look at my life as a father. I can look at my life as a son. I can look at my life as a brother. I can look at my life in ever as a pastor, as a minister. And the more honest I look at my life, and this is what I'm encouraging you to do, it's not to get like, oh, woe is me. But the more honest you look at your life, the less you say, if you and if they, because you've got a whole lot of eye stuff for God to heal and God to work on. If I give away all that I have and if I deliver my body to be burned, but if the motive wasn't love, if I'm not in the way of love, if I'm in some other way, whatever that happens to be, if I'm doing so withholding my love, then nothing is gained. Because love, it transforms giving into these life-changing moments when it's truly given versus when it's loaned. So First Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1 to 3 is a pretty beautiful, dense text and scripture that talks to me and it talks to you, it talks to us about our collective if, ands, and buts. And ultimately, it's going to drive to our motives that as God begins to heal our hearts and renew our souls and put us back together again, piece by piece, little by little. Have you also noticed that people can't change on your timeline? They just don't. Like at some point as a culture, at some point as a culture, we're going to have to make a turn or we're in trouble. And I'm not just talking right now as a follower of Jesus. I'm also just talking as a Canadian. Like at some point, we're going to have to make a turn. because we've given everybody in culture a megaphone called social media is it any wonder why the world has gotten so unbearably loud but what are we still lacking love what could change if the motivation of our post was genuine love what what could change perhaps if even if we just considered as followers of Jesus that's a place where I need to go Now, that doesn't mean that we would never confront things within culture because if you look at Jesus, how many of you know that Jesus loved the Pharisees with his whole heart? Like, if you think that Jesus got up every day and just said, Man, I'm just going to tell them how wrong they are, then it's not the way of love. Jesus loved them so much because they were so close. But their lives were caught in so much doing. The Pharisees' central problem was they lived with a mindset of if only they. Luke 15, which I'm not preaching on today, which is a beautiful scripture about the lost son, the prodigal son, the lost coin, the lost sheep, all those things, starts with the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling because Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners, dot, 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 which they didn't see themselves as. They didn't see themselves as tax collectors and sinners because they lived with a posture of, if only you could be as righteous and holy as me. When the way of love for all of us as followers of Jesus is not if only you can be as righteous and holy as me, it's if you can be as righteous and holy as Jesus, who me too am following him. That We together are engaging this. So let love translate your language. Let give love sometimes just by being present. And let love be freely given, not with strings. Or don't give your love, don't don't loan your love. Let God speak to you about your why and see what he wants to say. But if he says something hard for you to receive... Trust that Jesus alone's motivation is love. Not to hurt you or to harm you, but his motivation to you is perfect. Perfectly submitted to the Father. So every interaction in Scripture, we can trust that his motivation was love because he was filled with the Spirit, moving in the gifts of the Spirit, perfectly submitted to the will of the Father. You and I, ah, we're hit and miss. And so if Jesus needs to abide in the love of God, how much more do we... 39 years ago, Life Center was born on three words, love never fails. Our love, oh, it fails all the time, but the love of Jesus never fails. And so this morning, I've crafted a prayer on our 39th birthday. It's rooted in the love, the unfailing love of Jesus This year, we are chasing and continuing to chase a whisper of the Holy Spirit, a prophetic prompting rooted in the very name and nature of God, Jehovah Rophe, our God, who restores and cures and ultimately heals. Here's what the scripture says in John chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. It says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five-roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind and lame and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. But something happened in his 39th year. God didn't change, but all things can change when God's presence stirs the waters And so Life Center, like the man in the story, abiding in the love of God together, we are helpless to get into the water, to manufacture a move of God that this city desperately needs. We are helpless, yes, but as a church, we are not without hope. Because Jesus is here, all things remain possible. Life Center, we don't look to pools or to numbers, but to the person of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the presence of God the Father to do what he alone can do. We continue in the midst of glimpses of glory and by grieving every loss to press for an outpouring of God's presence in our city, for renewal in our hearts, for revival in the church, and for an awakening in the city of Ottawa and the Gatineau, the national capital region, including Cornwall, wherever his God goes. Because as is in the story, the Spirit in this day is stirring the waters. The Father is working, and Jesus is moving in our midst And so our response as a church into our 39th year is, God, would you heal the things in us that need to be healed? In our 39th year that you're stirring the waters, that you are carrying and building your church, you are changing your people. So Father, lead us to abide into the way of love. In your unfailing love, Jesus, lead us to live and then to love more like you. And Holy Spirit, in the mysteries that we don't understand, would you comfort and fill and remind us of the majesty of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen.